Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski and you are listening to Bet On You Radio. Now I know many of you know me or knew me as Angie Morgan. Things happened. During the pandemic, I reunited with my college boyfriend and we kind of did a thing. We got married and I took on a big Polish last name and added bonus, I've got a gift with purchase because Ed brought a dog to the relationship. So if you see me with Sully, say hi Sully. Like the postman, if you've got a bone in your bag, just throw it at Sully, it makes his day. And that's my life here in Northern Michigan. So here with Bet On You Radio, our focus is on featuring men and women who live in our community who are doing amazing things. I like to consider them ordinary, extraordinary people who have had these visions for themselves and through their conscious choices and decisions have really created a life for themselves. And you're gonna hear through their stories too that the steps that they've taken and the risks that they've taken are actually ones that you can too in order to live the life that you were meant to live. I know you've got a dream. I know that dream deserves its day in the sun. And today I am so excited to introduce just one of my favorite people here in Northern Michigan. She may not even know this is one of my most favorite people here in Northern Michigan. I feel like I've been crushing on social media for quite some time, but that's Sakura Takano. Now, I think we met at a 40 under 40 event. Um, I think she's been in 40 under 40 every single year that the organization has existed and she's been in her, you know, before 40. And, and I just remember thinking, wow, we have this type of talent in our community. We need to really celebrate it, embrace it. So I'm here talking with Sakura, and I know you're gonna start off by sharing your story, which didn't start in Northern Michigan, now did it? It didn't. Um, and first of all, thank you for inviting me on the show. It's super exciting. I think the topic is so appropriate. I think people are just ready to bet on themselves. And so I just, I love um, what you're doing and uh, thanks for bringing it to Northern Michigan. Oh, I am so honored. And I think coming out of the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people during that time period thought about what they'd like to change in their life. And now's yes. the time. It does not get better than right now to take a step towards your vision and yep. really achieve your dreams. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I do keep saying that to myself, especially around um, community work. If not now, like when would we ever? And I think it's so important to keep that in perspective that this is an opportunity for change and for caring about each other more. And uh, I think it's an exciting time. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about your start of your journey, which again, was not in Northern Michigan, was actually in a place that I lived for, for three years. I think we probably shared this when we first met. It is Hawaii. I was stationed there um, at Kaneohe Bay as a Marine. I fell in love with Hawaii and wondered why people would possibly leave here if they had a choice. Right. Yes. So yes, my journey did start in Honolulu, but you got to hang out on a part of the island that I never got to go to because it's a Marine Corps base. And so you have to, you know, have credentials to to get on site. Um, but you're right. I mean, Hawaii and Oahu are, you know, very unique and special places. And I know a lot of people go and visit. There's obviously, you know, a whole kind of world in and of itself um, when you're a local growing up there. And uh, I guess my childhood was really ingrained in like the tourism industry. Um, both my parents were immigrants and entrepreneurs. And so I spent a lot of time like in my parents' shops um, kind of, you know, free range. I think that's what we call it now. <laughs> I think back then like, we just called it being a child of the eighties. I think so too. Like and nobody's really supervising yeah, me. There's no one really watching you for, mo for the most part. And, you know, a lot of food came in boxes or cans or things that you could cook in the microwave. So I'd say we had a, 
a pretty free range childhood. Um, but the one thing that like was not free range at all was my parents focus on academics and, you know, being able to be set with a sound foundation um, for for a good life. And that idea of like a good and happy life has changed over time, I think, um, in my mom's eyes. Um, and now, you know, a few decades later, I'm here in northern Michigan through a circuitous route between Boston, New York and San Francisco. Amazing and this too. is probably one of the last places I would have imagined um, creating a life for myself. But I can say I've been here for 10 years. I know I'm not a local yet, but that's okay. <laughs> so it's funny you say that because I grew up in Kalkaska and I still don't feel like I'm a local. Like it's, it's, it's an interesting community for that kind of identity to be either granted to you or is it something that you take a known for yourself? I'm still not quite sure of. So you've mentioned academics and I imagine that that was something that sparked you leaving the islands was just, even though Hawaii's got some amazing, you know, secondary educational opportunities, but you ended up going to Boston. How did you choose Boston? Did you think, let me go somewhere yeah. really cold to see what this feels like? You know, it was, that's pretty close. So, <laughs> so, you know, I looked at schools kind of all over the country and, um, I'd say that the East coast captured me because it was the most different. Mm hmm and I fell in love with this idea of seasons. And I remember when I first got to campus in the fall, it's still pretty warm out. I had packed one pair of jeans because that's all I owned. It was a suitcase <laughs> of tank tops, T-shirts, and shorts. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when it started to get colder, we had a Hawaii club on campus. A lot of, you oh, know. Did you really? Yeah. A lot of schools have, you know, California club, Hawaii club, I mean, all kinds of mm -hmm. things like that. And they rent a van every fall to take all the freshmen to go to the outlets in Maine to shop because we have no appropriate clothing. And so, you know, we buy puffer jackets and all the things that you need. Um, and I loved it. I loved um, the collegiate experience. Um, it does make me wonder about, you know, what does it look like for my kids? Because I think the world has changed so much where the assumption of a four-year college experience is, you know, kind of one of many options. So I continue to ask myself to be open to like what that might look like, because it could be very different. Um, and, you know, I just dove, I just dove right in. I loved um, being in that space. Um, I focused on business. I was a finance and economics um, double major, which for me was really interesting because I loved to be analytical and this, like the spreadsheet world was like very fun for me and kind of figuring out and problem solving. So that kind of like, you know, I would say that was my first love, I guess. It was like excelling and achieving. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, yeah, I think that's many people's first love because you're jo joining a time in your life where it is about proving yourself, less about expressing yourself. It's about acquiring too, trying to figure out how you're going to get everything you need for this amazing quote unquote game of life. And the finance and economics that took you to New York City, didn't it? That's right. Well, I'll say that what first took me to New York City was a steak dinner. <laughs> because <laughs> when, you know, they would have recruiters come on uh -huh. campus and different companies would, you know, say, well, this is what we do and X, Y, and Z. And I remember being invited to a recruiting dinner um, for one of the investment banks on Wall Street. And I thought, whoa, I've never had a steak. 
in downtown Boston. Like, I'm really interested in <laughs> this <laughs> very <fancy>. expensive sounding <laughs> dinner. And so, you know, I went with um, 10 other students that were invited and just hit it off with the people. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was like the most important part. I met alumni who were working um, at this place. They had great experiences and they wanted to mentor and shepherd more young people into the industry, kind of like under their wing. And so that was really like what locked it in for me. And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't get excited about this steak dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It all starts with food, right? It's food, it's friendship. It could be a bottle of wine here or there, but it like locks you in and that set you on your course to New York City. Again, I think I remember you sharing that there was an internship with a job opportunity that follows with long, grueling hours. And I imagine, too, living in New York City, success is very much defined by more achievement, less sleep, money acquired, right. things like that. How was that for you? You know, um, I, I now that I look back on it, that was probably one of the first significant times that I listened to myself. And when I say that, I mean all those influences that you just talked about, Mm -hmm. those kind of external, um, you know, goals, dreams, and, you know, things um, weren't really resonating with me. Like I thought I was doing the things that I was asked and that were supposed to be valuable, but I could feel that little like edge and that tick of like, uh, maybe, maybe not, or maybe this isn't for you. And, um, that was really the first time I listened to myself and like changed course. So I was there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I transferred and ended up in California in San Francisco. Do you ever get that sense too? Like maybe I'm wrong. And oh, then, yeah. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Like I've got money, I've got jobs, I've got opportunities. Everybody thinks I'm crushing it, but I'm not happy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe something's wrong with me. And then you finally listen to yourself and say, nope, <laughs> it's just not. Right just not doing it for me. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think having um, real authentic sounding boards when you're having those doubts is so important. And you kind of have to look for them, right? Because they're sometimes in unconventional places. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's important to be able to be okay with questioning yourself and digging deeper and figuring and figuring out over time, like what's resonating, what's not. And that kind of goes back to like my analytical mind where even as I'm exploring, you know, what's hitting a knot, like I do want to keep going, digging deeper and digging deeper on that. So you're making money, you're achieving, you know, success by most people's definition that this is success, but for you, it wasn't cutting it. It wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't maybe what you thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, um, like we talked about, it's, you know, your priorities change or maybe, you know, your feeling doesn't match to what you're supposed to feel or what you think you're supposed to feel. And uh, I think it does take steps and it takes trial and error to get to a different place. So the expectation that like all of a sudden you make like one or two new decisions and then voila, yeah, your new, you know, your new priorities or your new goals are suddenly realized is, um, Probably a little more fantasy than, <laughs> than reality. Works well in a movie, doesn't it? Does it does work really well in movies. You know, it's just like, you know, we just got there. I'm just going to make this decision. Tomorrow things will be better. The next day even more so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I knew I needed a change. And for me, that change was actually like getting recentered and going back to school. Um, you know, having had the luxury of kind of 
making enough to be able to sustain myself, like while I was a student again, um, was kind of scary. Um, but I also knew that I was investing in myself. I mean, that's kind of what I thought about that period of time is I needed to like kind of re engage my brain in different ways and like really open my mind up, um, to the world, which is definitely what I did, um, in graduate school. I was able to travel and do pro bono consulting projects. Um, I was able to visit Cambodia, India, did a few fun trips as well um, to Europe and Costa Rica, but it just gave me a whole new and fresh perspective that I just needed. And that to me like unlocked you know, more possibilities. And that was a very exciting time. Uh, also very unexpected time because then I found myself um, expecting with a child <laughs> Oh, those change things, don't <laughs> they? And How I was d- like, wait a second. <laughs> this is not part of my plan. Can they come with me? How might yeah, my life change? Like, Are they portable? <laughs> yeah, it right. induce, introduces so much change into your life. How did you navigate that? Well, it was, it was terrifying um, because I had just finished my graduate program. And, you know, like you have to figure out like the next best thing. And I, that's really all I could focus on was like, what is the next best thing? And I mentioned earlier, just having that like circle of confidence that can support and help you feel like when you're questioning yourself, you can ask them honestly, and they'll give you an honest answer. And I think that that is so important. So, you know, when that challenging time happened, I was like, okay, is this possible? And um, from my mom to my sister to my college boyfriend, who I was still really good friends with, he was the per- first person I called. I was like, "What do you think?" He's like, "You can he had do a this. wealth of knowledge." He had a wealth like, of okay. knowledge, and you know, he actually had just had a child, and yeah, yeah. and I and I got to ask him, and he just instilled so much confidence in me, and so did my mom and my sister, that um, you know, I just didn't look back. I knew it was going to change the course of my life, but I didn't look back. And you know, fast forward a few years. Um, having then stayed at home for three years um, with, you know, an infant and a toddler because we just, you know, did it back to back. Get it done. Yeah, right? just get it done. Um, I'd say like the next terrifying piece was the idea of reentering the workforce after having taken some time off. It's amazing, too. And I bet people looking at your background saying, you know, you moved from Hawaii to Boston. You got this amazing job in New York City in finance and you're now, I believe at the time you're living in San Francisco, like you've demonstrated all these courageous things. And yet the thing that terrifies you is putting yourself back out there into the workforce, yes, isn't it? Absolutely. It was. And we had just moved to Traverse City. So um, I think I was here for three months. Um, never really knew the Midwest that well. I mean, my impression of the Midwest was like the O'Hare airport, right? So yeah. I will just like be very upfront that I didn't know a lot about where I now call home. Um, But I also think that was kind of a gift because it challenged me to just like be very open and, you know, kind of accept things for what they were. Um, Coming to this community um, with little kids was wonderful because I got to meet a lot of parents um, who recently moved back. And so there was this kind of built-in network of folks with similar challenges like where do we play and what parks and, you know, kind of that commonality factor that I do think even now a lot of people are finding as they, as they move to Traverse City. So that was really helpful. 
Um, but I hadn't quite felt confident to get back into the saddle with work. Yeah, it's like first things first, though. Like, let's get the family, foundation, child care, friend care, all these things in place. And then you can start thinking about what's next in your life. And it's great, too, again, growing up in the Midwest, because um, I've lived in L.A., which didn't very where we live did not seem very friendly. So I've been in communities that you just don't feel like you can break into. You know, my hope, and it sounds like your experience, so that this is a community that, you know, we're hardy folk. We know that the winners are coming, right? Right. <laughs> we want to make friends. <laughs> we want to share our resources. And so that's great. So we're going to pick up after our next break and just talking about some of the wisdom that you've acquired on this journey and a little bit about what you're doing right now. Awesome. Thanks. Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski. I'm one of the co-authors of Bet On You. This is the companion to the radio program. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, check out this book. Inside there's some really great guidance and a code that takes you to an online platform that helps you dream better and imagine ways that you can bet on yourself. Check it out. Hey everyone, I am talking with Sakura Takano and we are just going to transition right now and talk about your role in our community. So we've talked about your transition from Hawaii to Northern Michigan, which is just incredible. And going from two in that process, a stay-at-home mom to a working mom. Tell us, how was that? Like, where did you start and what are you doing right now? Where did I start? So Getting super organized <laughs> takes time. And that is actually one of the, the practices that I've now kind of incorporated into my, my everyday life because it's so helpful to make time to be prepared. And when I went back to work right after being home, um, you have to organize for someone else to help you. Oh, that's so true. I mean, it is so true. So... I was probably a little overboard back then, but I would make sure that we had, you know, all the food that the kids need, like prepared and ready to go. Um, but I kind of translated that into how I balance, like, you know, being away from home um, and managing teams. And the same thing about being prepared um, really helped kind of, you know, keep the home life working and then also keep teams functional especially when you go through growth and change. And uh, when I... that you say that because I always tell my children, no one has ever complained about being overprepared. Whether it's for <laughs> like a test, for a race, for life, nobody has ever said, dang, I just wish I would have prepared a little less. <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes discipline. Mm -hmm. But I think when you start doing it, you're like, oh, like when you get something out of it, and you're like, oh, well, that actually, like, that actually worked or that felt good. Um, then you just keep doing it because you're getting value out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that is definitely, you know, one of the big keys of, of being ready for the workforce was that preparation um, and making time for it, right? So I think the other piece um, that I've learned a lot um, about along the way is managing teams. And when you're asked to do something that you haven't done before, it's tricky because you're basically learning trial by fire. <laughs> <laughs> True. So you're not really prepared because you're not always sure what you're getting into. Um, and that certainly was, you know, my experience um, coming back to work in the nonprofit sector um, at Goodwill Northern Michigan, where I was, you know, leading workforce um, and eventually housing programs. 
But it was an area of work that, you know, I was inspired by and I had aspired to be part of, but hadn't done before. And so the preparation really mattered then because it's not just a job. I mean, my whole goal was to move my career into something I was passionate about. And um, you're not just trying new things to try new things, right? Like lives, lives are involved and health and safety and so I think, you know, when, you, when you're, like, weighing, um, you know, the impacts of what you do, that preparedness just, it really, really counts and really matters. No, that, that's wonderful. And you're currently the CEO of Rotary Charities, too. So thank you for taking on this wonderful role in our community just to advance so many important organizations. Thanks. It's, I feel like it's a privilege. Um, you know, Rotary Charities has, um, you know, been in the community for a long time, 30 plus years. And uh, I feel like I'm, you know, part of this fabric of not just leaders of the organization, but of Rotarians and community members and nonprofits that have benefited um, and received funds or other support for the great work that they're doing. And so I really feel like my role is more of like a facilitator. <laughs> I feel like you're like and the I get Oprah. to be part of it. <laughs> you're like the Oprah of Northern Michigan, and you get a car, and you get a grant, and you get a grant. It's amazing what Rotary has been able to do. So I'm going to transition and ask you five questions that I've been asking all my guests, and this is your opportunity just to share some things that have inspired you and to pass along some wisdom you picked up along the way. What's a book that's inspired you? Can you think of just one of many books I'm sure that you've read that just really stands out as something that's been influential to you? Sure. So this is an oldie but goodie, um, and it's Istanbul by Orhan Pamuk, who um, has won a number of prizes. But I read that book, and it inspired me to buy a ticket to Turkey, and I spent a month traveling through Turkey and Croatia and Greece, and it just clicked in my head, how wonderful and also insignificant <laughs> people are. Because you go to these ruins and it's, you know, just like on a roadside and you're staring at something that existed, you know, hundreds of years ago. And so I think that perspective of like long and short and like the relative urgency um, mm -hmm. of problems and of things that concern us on a daily basis, um, having the flexibility to like think about time at a different scale has been extremely influential for me. I love that. And whenever I hear Istanbul, I do hear, you know, they might be giants because it's not Constantinople. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. <laughs> just, I went to one of those concerts in college and that was like the best time of my life. Okay, so share a piece of feedback that was illuminating to you. Oh, illuminating. Okay. Um, gosh, actually, I, this isn't personal feedback, but it's something that, that you've actually said that like oh. really clicked with me and you said um I wish I could quote you more perfectly but it's about imperfection and that imperfection is totally acceptable and actually can we please can we just please be more imperfect and just more ourselves oh I didn't know when I said that but that sounds wonderful thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the reminder that I, I have to really embrace imperfection and live it too um I would love to hear from you and these are kind of hand-in-hand -hand questions what is one of your favorite activities in the community and also a favorite place to eat in the region? Oh, okay. So I have an exchange student, and this um, has made me feel like I'm a tourist and exploring our region again because I, you get used to your patterns. So one of my favorite activities is to host someone new. 
in our community and oh, you nice. will find all kinds of things that you may have just seen on a flyer or like, you know, barely looked at. And then you go and it's just, it's so enriching and so fulfilling. So that's my I favorite activity. Love yeah. That. And this is, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask anyway, your favorite place to eat in this region. Right. Okay. So my home, <laughs> because <laughs> we cook a lot. We do a lot of family you cooking. Um, but I would not have met my partner, Tony Vu, if it had not been for the Good Bowl. And it is one of the few places that we are always eating at because oh, I just so have to say the wings are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we like fight over them. Everything is amazing. It's right across the street from Morsel. So whenever I'm working on the weekends, I am picking up at the Good Bowl. Yep, it exactly. Fantastic. Okay, last question. What is one thing you've learned in life that's really important for you to share with others? Oh, man. Be kind. I think right now more than ever, it's like if you can extend one unrequired, um, un, you know, kind of motivated um, act of kindness a day, mm. it's just, it makes your life brighter, but it also makes the person that you extend that to's life much brighter that day too. Oh, I love that word kind. I find myself using it more and more lately. Just, you know, we don't have to be nice, but we can always be kind, right? Yep. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Sakura, for being on Bet On You program. Your story is such an inspiration, and our community is so lucky to have your leadership over something so important in this Aww, region. Thanks, Angie. I'm, I'm so happy to have been here. Thanks. Perfect. And thank you all. And if you um, enjoyed what you're listening to and you're excited to take a risk, great. I want to hear about it. Email me at Angie at AngieWitkowski.com big name w-i-t-k-o-w-s-k-i.com or if you have ideas for a guest you think should be on bet on you radio email me angie at angie thank you so much i look forward to hearing from you and we appreciate you being a part of the show and thank you wtcm for allowing us to broadcast this program Bye.